we lived life. I mean, we went to Europe almost every year. I had a bunch of frequent flyer miles. You know, we went to Hawaii. We traveled around. You know, we traveled every year. We took all of our vacation time and we lived. We enjoyed it. You're listening to Investing for Good, a show that brings you the stories and strategies of people who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. And now, here are your hosts, Annie Dickerson and Julie Lamb. Hey, everyone. Annie Dickerson here together with my awesome co-host, Julie Lamb. Julie, how's it going today? It's going really well. I'm enjoying the fresh air that we finally have oh, here. I um, know, it's right? It's just been so much. I was like stuck inside for a week. And so now to yeah. be able to at least open a window and take it all in and not feel like, like, I think somebody had told me it's like the equivalent of like smoking 20 packs of cigarettes or something like that. Like if you even open your window, which is wild. Yeah. Yeah, I know. I'm loving seeing the blue skies and I'm itching to get back. I know we've only been home from our trip for like a month and a half, but I'm like itching to go out and travel again. But you've got a potential trip planned for Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. Tell us about that. Yeah, yeah. So we, you know, have been thinking about trying to get the husband out of his W-2 job and we're trying to prepare for that potentially maybe next year. And so we were like, you know what? And just like everything, you know, that, that we've been kind of talking about is like, what is this going to look like? Like, what are we going to do? What is it going to feel like? We have no idea. So we thought maybe it might be a good idea to try it on for size, to rent an RV and take it down the coast, down the California coast for uh, Thanksgiving. So we're kind of exploring different RV options, which there's so much to think about. It's like when you're like thinking about buying a new car or something, you don't like a new class of car. Like if, you know, you went from like a regular standard sedan to like an SUV, there's all these, you know, considerations like what size and you know all these things so diving into the world of of RVing has been uh, interesting so we're excited we'll be gone for probably about seven seven days seven to ten days we'll we'll see how long it takes us to get down there Um, we'll probably stop at like an RV park down the way uh, somewhere down the coast but but yeah and then if that goes well then we're thinking about doing another trip in the Christmas holiday time to go to Arizona because I've never been there and and the kids have never been there, and it's a little bit farther um, than just going down the coast, so it'll be a little bit more adventurous. So, yeah. Oh my gosh, I'm sure your kids will have such a blast. My kids have been asking, they're like, can we get rented RV? Can we go uh-huh. on an RV trip? There's something magical about like have driving your a house home, home so to speak. Yeah. <laughs> Uh, Well, speaking of which, we have an RV expert actually coming on the show Uh today. It's not why we asked him on the show, but he certainly has done a lot of RV trips. And I actually, after we stopped recording the show, he gave us a great tip about getting (laughs) walkie-talkies. We didn't even think about that. When you're parking the RV, he said, you got to get a pair of walkie-talkies. That way the driver and the other person who's watching you back back the RV in, you can communicate without having to shout at each other, which I thought was a brilliant tip. Yes. Um, yes. But anyway, our guest today is Fritz Gilbert. He's the creator of the blog Retirement Manifesto, and he's also author of the book Keys to a Successful Retirement. And Fritz was just, he's just such a wealth of knowledge about the whole transition into retirement, Mm -hmm. which I think a lot of people don't think about. They just think Mm -mm. magically someday I'll hit that number, I'll hit that age, and then I'll just get to retire and everything will be peachy keen, like everything Mm. will be fine. I'll have the time of my life. I'll get to cross all those things off my bucket list. But he really, in this conversation, he talks about the realities of what that transition looks like and some of his tips for how to make the most of that time. Yeah, yeah. And I, I think it's so, I'm so glad that we talked about that because so much on the show, we talk about how do we get there? How do we get there? What are the tips? What are the strategies? How do we get there? But we don't ever talk about the transition from a world of, you know, getting up and going to work every day to a world of getting up and not having anywhere to go and how that can, you know, have sometimes a negative impact on you um, if you don't know how to manage that time. Um, but, you know, one of the things that I think was kind of like a 
running theme in everything that he was saying was just like, you know, having the space and the time, which I feel like we, we've kind of talked about a lot in other episodes that we've, you know, other guests we've had on the show, but we really talked about that here and how important that has been for him to have that space and that time to really discover what is important to him and, you know, what's meaningful to him and then, and then figure out what he's good at. And then, you know, not just that it doesn't really end there, but then taking it full circle and figuring out how he can give back. And for me, that was like such a great reminder of, of how to con- wake up every morning and feel like you're continuing to, to have an impact, even if you don't have a job to go to, but how you can impact others in the community, leveraging, you know, things that you're good at and things that interest you. And that was so powerful for me. Mm-hmm. And in this episode, we talk about all of that, that lifestyle design, as well as some of the financial aspects about how to get your finances in order in preparation for retirement. So for all our listeners out there who are looking for great investment opportunities to add to your portfolio, real estate has been such a game changer for Julie and me. And so if you're new to real estate and you're considering passive real estate investing through real estate syndications, then grab a copy of our book. We'll send it to you for free. You just pay for shipping and handling. It's called Investing for Good, and it's packed with all of our wisdom and our strategies. Just text the word book to 41404. Now, without further ado, here is our conversation with Fritz Gilbert. Fritz, welcome to the show. How are you? Annie, I'm doing great. I appreciate so much you and Julie having me on your awesome show. I'm, I'm honored. Well, we're thrilled that you're here. Now, Fritz, you've created a fantastic blog called The Retirement Manifesto. And earlier this year, you also published a book, Keys to a Successful Retirement, all in an effort to help others achieve a great retirement. So tell us, let's start there. Tell us, in your view, what does it mean to achieve a great retirement? And tell us, you know, what led you to start down this path to help others achieve a great retirement for themselves? Yeah, great. Thank, good question. Great way to start, Annie. I, you know, really, it's funny. I started the blog about five years ago. So I was three years pre-retirement. And I just, you know, it's one of those things that I've discovered as I moved into retirement. You've got to try a bunch of different things. You don't know what you're going to fall in love with. And I have absolutely fallen in love with writing. I just love it. So, you know, I started as just, hey, I'm going to see if this goes anywhere. And, you know, yeah, it's turned into a you know pretty good sized blog, great interaction with the readers. And as it's evolved, it's just been a great way for me to show other people kind of my journey, but not so much me, me, me but more here's the things that I'm thinking about and you should probably consider thinking about them as well as you transition into retirement. So to answer your question, kind of what, what have I discovered as kind of the keys to a great retirement? You know, you always think about the financial side and for the first two years that I was writing, it was all about the money. You know, do I have enough 25 X 4% withdrawal rate, you know, all that stuff that everybody knows. But what I found talking to people that had already been retired And I've got some great stories on my blog about, I interviewed like some 80, I actually interviewed a guy who was 90 years old. He was a World War II vet, or World War, yeah, World War II. He was at at, um, Omaha Beach. So he was, I mean, this guy was, you know, this guy was big. And uh, every one of them, they came back and money is not the defining factor of a good retirement. And I found it myself. And and what I've basically discovered in the, probably the year before I retired I knew my money was set. I knew we were going to be fine on the financial side. And I started thinking a lot more about the non-financial, which is what you guys are all about, which is why I love it. And, and what I've discovered through my research and through my personal experience and really what the book is all about is how you really need to focus on those non-financial aspects to really you know, have a great retirement. The money is necessary, but it's not sufficient. I'm so glad that you brought that up because I and I didn't expect you to say that, but I'm so glad that you brought that up because I think most people, before they reach financial independence, that's all they can think about, right? Is how yeah. do I get to that point where money is not the stressor, money is not something I have to worry about, where I can take that off my plate. But then they don't think about, well, after I get to that point, 
then what? If money were not an issue, what would I actually want to do with my life? And in fact, that's one of the first questions that we always ask our um, investors is, you know, if you could invest successfully and create all this passive income and quit your job and live the life that you want, what would that life look like? And a lot of people say, huh, that's a good question. I've never thought about that before. Yeah, Yeah, you don't have to think about that. So I'm so glad that you've experienced that and you're here on the other side. So tell us, okay, so you started the blog about five years ago. You were, it was two years before you were going to retire. So at that time, when you started, you focused mostly on like financial statements and trying to make sure you had all your finances in order. Is that right? Yeah, then, I, mean, I, I was pretty. I was pretty detailed. I did, the, you know, the cash flow. I didn't just look at kind of what's my initial safe withdrawal rate. You know, I kind of actually cash flowed out through age ninety-five because your your spending is going to vary through retirement, right? You're going to have some active years, which we're enjoying now. You know, we're doing a lot of traveling. We're, you know, we're spending some money, but that's okay. It's all part of the plan. And then they're going to be kind of those slower years, and then you're going to have the heavier health care that kicks in at the end. So, so I actually modeled out, you know, cash flow through all those time frames, different Social Security claiming strategies. I, I was pretty anal on the financial side, and I got to the point where I was really comfortable with it. And I still had about a year to go, you know, I think through my research, because I wanted, you only get to retire once, hopefully, and I wanted to do it right. And when I started seeing more and more about this stuff on the softer side, you're right, people don't intuitively think of it at all. And it's one of the reasons a lot of people struggle with retirement, you know, they, especially those that are hard charging type A, they might get let go during coronavirus, who knows, right, suddenly they're retired, and they didn't have time to mentally prepare for it the mental preparation is as big a factor as the financial preparation. Tell us more. So what did you do to prepare mentally or what do you help others do? I think number one is being aware of the need to do it. It's so easy to just focus on the numbers and not even realize it's an issue. And I've had so many of my friends that have retired and they were like, oh my gosh, I had no idea how big of an adjustment this was going to be, right? And And they struggled. A lot of people struggle with the transition. So I think the first thing is just be aware of it. The second thing, and this is something that we did, I write about in the book, is about a year before my retirement, nine months maybe, we actually took Thanksgiving holiday, but we took a Thanksgiving holiday, we extended it, took the week off in between, you know, emails are quiet, and we took a 10-day mini retirement, and we basically came up to our retirement cabin, which we already owned, it was a weekend place, and we just said, look, let's just kind of put ourselves in the frame of mind that we're already retired. And let's just think about what do we want our life to be when we're retired. So I think putting yourself in a situation that replicates as close as possible what your retirement's going to be like and just take that time to think about it is probably the easiest kind of tactical way to do it. Um, I've started reading a book by, it's called Becoming Supernatural by Dr. Joe Dispenza. And in it, he talks about how so many people are, by the time you're 35, 99% of your daily habits already set. You're just playing the same program over and over and you're just repeating the same things. So when people start a new thing, like they say, you know, I want to start a new business or I want to lose weight, they really only have that 1% to make that huge change with. And so I can imagine with something like retirement is such a huge life change that you have to put yourself, I love how you did that. You put yourself in that frame of mind of let's pretend, let's imagine that we're already there. Let's start to form those habits and see what it's like to already be retired. And then that way you can lead your subconscious essentially to get to that point. So yeah, that's a great that's, exercise. Yeah. yeah, it works well. And I think the other thing, you know, we were fortunate that we had our cabin already here. So we spent, you know, we knew we were going to downsize. We lived in Atlanta. We were in the city. And we knew we were going to sell the big house in the city and move up here full time. So we took advantage of, you know, several years before retirement, getting active in the community, getting to know people. We got involved in a lot of different charitable organizations, et cetera. And finding a way that you can start building a retirement network while you're still working, because you, you don't realize how encompassing your work network is. And there's so much that you get from work beyond just the paycheck. And, and a lot of people don't realize that until it's gone, right? You get your social interactions, you get those daily challenges, you get those deliverables, those, you know, that productivity, all those things that kind of the human body needs to stay inspired and motivated 
All that stuff comes from work and replacing as much of that, you know, I started my blog, right? I was already starting to develop these things that ended up being big elements in my retirement lifestyle as much as possible. Try to start layering those in, in your last couple of years of work. It really helps. Mm-hmm. So I'm sure you've met at this point, you've met and probably worked with lots of people who have made this transition into retirement. So what do you see as some of the pitfalls that people fall into? Yeah, I have, unfortunately. And, you know, it's, it's interesting. You don't, you know, depression is kind of, people don't talk about depression, but, you know, especially now with everybody being locked in with COVID, I mean, hey, we should talk about this stuff, right? A lot of people are really going through tough times and suicides are at an all-time high. And, and, you know, just back to the retirement thing, your chances of going through a pretty serious depression go up 40% after you retire. And I've seen friends go through it, you know, alcoholism, you know, just deep depression, not wanting to get up in the morning, laying around, really having, I've had readers that have reached out to me and say, hey, I'm one of those people, you know, what can I do? So it definitely happens. And typically, if you dig deeper and talk to those people, a lot of that is not always, but it's very common that the root cause is that these people just kind of were focused on the money. They got there and boom, off they went. I'm just going to go hang out on the beach. Life's going to be great. And they lost. They didn't have a sense of purpose. They didn't have anything. You know, there was nothing left. And all those intangibles that I mentioned in the workplace, they didn't realize how big of a role those were playing in their life. And suddenly they're gone, right? That's typically what you'll see is kind of that root cause. And most of them in time find a way to acclimate and get used to it. But you can either make it an easy transition or you can take the hard road. And some people, you know, unfortunately end up doing it the hard way because they just don't know any better. That's so fascinating because I think so many people think of retirement as this golden age, right? They look forward to it their entire lives. They're like, okay, I'm going to work 40 plus years. I'm going to save up. And at a certain time, this magical age, I'll have enough saved up and then I can do anything I want. It'll be the happiest time in my life. And the truth of the matter is for a lot of people, that transition can, it sounds like it can be really rough. Yeah, and I would say, you know, if you're not happy while you're working, chances are you're not going to be happy when you retire, right? It's not just a golden egg and suddenly life is great. There's a lot more to being happy than having a job or not having a job. I mean, financial independence is great, and I absolutely love the retired lifestyle, but a lot of people don't. And there are a lot of rewards that come from that workplace environment that you don't realize until they're gone. So if you're not happy while you're working and you're in a good work environment, maybe you're in a bad work environment, fine, get a different job, right? That's all within your control. There's so much stuff within your life that's within your control that if you're not happy, make some changes. You know, you don't have to wait for retirement. Don't waste your whole life waiting for this golden egg and sacrifice all of your todays because you're just so worried about tomorrow. You may never get there, number one. And number two, you may be less than optimally happy for 20, 30, 40 years of your life because all you're doing is waiting for tomorrow. It's a miserable way to live life. There's a much better way to do it. Don't just wait for retirement. Find a way to be happy now. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. So what are some of the things that you're doing now, now that you're retired and you've been retired for a couple of years? Like, tell us what the daily life looks like for you and, and how, maybe tell us also like, you know, what are the things that you did to transition from, you know, the W-2 life into not working at all? Because I, I certainly feel like I can identify with that. I'm, I like to be busy all the time. And when I don't have something going on and I don't have that sense of purpose, as you mentioned, it's really hard for me. And I get, I can fall into a place where I start to feel kind of down about things. And so how did you get through that? What are some of those tips and tricks and, you know, that we can, you know, maybe people in the audience who are close to retirement or I've reached financial freedom. What are some of those things that, you know, that you did to get yeah. through that? And then tell us what your daily life is like, because I'm oh, curious okay. to hear. <laughs> okay. well, I will just randomly pull, pull a straw out of the hat. Yeah. Great question. I'll tell you what I did today. How's that? Just random yeah. day in the life of Fritz Gilbert and the life of retirement. Yeah. Okay? And, and, and maybe what I'll do is as I tell you the things that I did, yeah. I'll tell you, I'll tell you kind of more holistically how they fit into a successful retirement. Okay, I'm, I'm winging this, so we'll see where it goes. Okay, Excellent. so I got up this morning, 
no alarm clock. That's a great way to wake up, right? The dog uh-huh. is laying in bed. I, I woke up at 6.30. I laid in bed till 7.15. I, I love just being able to have a relaxed, easy wake up in the morning. I could never do that when I was working, right? It was always mm-hmm. 5.30 alarm, jump in the shower, off to work, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. So a nice, relaxed morning. Got up at 7.30, 7.15, had a cup of coffee or two, maybe three with my wife. We got up <laughs> on some news. We, we always DVR the news and watch it in the morning. So we watch the news. That's fine. But 8.30, 9 o'clock, I went out and I finished building a doghouse, okay? Oh, this nice. sounds crazy. But my wife has started a charity. Again, this is mm-hmm. another one of those things we can talk about probably in your magical three questions at the end. But she started a nonprofit where we build free fences and provide a doghouse to low-income families that keep their dogs on chains. It breaks my wife's heart to see these dogs on chains. So I spent, you know probably three hours today finishing up this doghouse because we're doing the fence build tomorrow and I wanted to be able to deliver the doghouse during the build. The macro theme of that one is find a way to get involved in charitable work. Find a way to dedicate your energies to doing things that benefit others. Using retirement as a time to give back. To your point, Julie, about how do you keep busy? Man, if you can find things to keep busy and in the process, you're helping others. Mm-hmm. Nirvana, you nailed it. To me, anyway, and, and most people I've talked to, finding ways to do things with your experience and, and with things that you enjoy. I've just discovered I love woodworking, right? I built a woodworking shop after I retired, and, and I'm starting to get into building these doghouses. It's fun. So it practices that artistic side of my brain, which, you know, most of the time when you're at work, you're doing the analytical stuff. So this, I think finding a way to develop your artistic side and doing it in a way that helps other people, great. Okay, so I finished the doghouse, had lunch. I'm not going to get into what I had for lunch, but leftovers, you know, whatever. Okay. Okay. Then, uh, and I think this is relevant because everything I did kind of fits in. Again, just a typical day. After lunch, came out to my writing studio and I spent about an hour and a half writing on my blog. I love to write. I found something that really inspires me. I answered some emails. I get interactions with readers every single day. So hearing people that are following me on their journeys and they're reading my stuff and they say, hey, I read your thing about the bucket strategy and I'm implementing it. I'm six months away. Just want to let you know, by the way, you know, how long did you take to fill bucket one cash or whatever, right? All that type of interaction happens almost every day. And I spent about an hour and a half doing some coordination with or communication with readers. And then I was working on next week's blog post. So, okay, spent some time on, on my retirement passion, which is writing. And then last night I told my wife, if I get done with this doghouse, I'm going to go swimming in the afternoon to celebrate because I want to get this doghouse done for the bill. So after I was done writing for a while, I drove out to a local lake. I drove my old uh, military Jeep. Again, that's a hobby. I just got a, a fun car. <laughs> you you got to have fun in retirement, right? Uh-huh. You can, you can, you're at the point now where you can spend money as long mm-hmm. as it's within your, your, budget. your predefined budget. Mm-hmm. it's really hard to change those habits from being frugal to starting to spend that money. And what we've done is we've transferred how much we know we can spend every month into our checking account. And we typically aren't spending that much because I was very conservative when we put all this together. So that, that money continues to grow and grow and grow. I wrote my book that wasn't planned. You know, so there was some extra money around. So I bought a little fun Jeep, right? Nothing wrong with that. And I, and I love it. It's fun. So I, wrote, I took the Jeep, I drove out to the lake, I did a 45-minute swim, physical fitness, hugely important, especially, Julie, like you said, you're active, you're energized, you got to find a way to release all that energy. I do some kind of physical workout every single day. I either do spin classes at my gym, I go for a run, you know, I walk the dogs every day in the woods because we live up in the mountains and there's a lot of trails. I go swimming, mountain biking, etc. So that's what I did today was swimming. Came back from that, took a shower had dinner, and now 7 o'clock at night, East Coast time, I'm on a podcast, right? So, I mean, what a perfect, <laughs> today, today was just a typical day, but it was a perfect example mm-hmm. of how great your life can be in retirement. No thought of work, no thought of earning money, none of that mm-hmm. mattered, but a very fulfilling, productive, and satisfying day. So. Yeah. Yeah. I love all of that. And I think, you know, the running theme that I hear is just having the the space and the time to explore the interests that, 
you know, are meaningful for you. And then, uh, and then taking that and then giving back to the communities that you live in and helping other people. And that's so much of what I feel like Annie and I do. I mean, we're kind of semi-retired in a way, but we do this because we love to do it. And I, you know, I get up every morning and I feel like I get to make an impact. And, and I've yeah. discovered, like you said, things that I didn't know I, I love to do, yeah. you know, and having that space and that time to be able to do that, to really let your, the things, you know, the skill sets that you're good at, let all of those things shine. It's like so amazing. And I feel like it's what we are here for, why Annie and I do this podcast and why we want to, you know, help other people achieve financial independence so that they can be the best versions of themselves so that they can make the world a better place at the end of the day. It sounds kind of cheesy, um, but does, I think- but it's, it's <laughs> spot on. And, and, and I'll tell you, Julie, you absolutely hit it with one word. And I don't know if people caught that, but I'll reiterate it because that's probably the biggest takeaway in my book is you said explore, right? Mm -hmm. You can explore. Yeah. That is the key. Explore. If you have the least, foster that curiosity. Mm -hmm. If there's something that gives you an inkling of interest, mm -hmm. run with it, pull the thread, right? Take a couple steps and you know, you'll, you'll try 10 things and maybe eight of them will fall to the floor. But if you, if you get one or two things out of that little, you know, willingness to explore, you're great, right? If you can find two or three things that really work for you in retirement, I've probably got five, you're doing really well. And the way you find them, because you're like, hey, I'm working every day. How do I find this stuff? It's that, it's listen to that curiosity in your brain, foster that as much as you can and try something, right? Just my, my blog, right? I didn't know anything about a blog. I'm just going to try. Okay, go on Bluehost, B-L-U-H, you know, I didn't know what I was doing, but I tried it. And now five years later, it's a big thing. It's a big part of my life, you know, on and on. Mm -hmm. Woodworking, I didn't know how to do any woodworking, but a buddy of mine had a shop. I went over there with him and hey, this is kind of fun, you know, and boom, I found a new passion. So explore yeah. and foster that curiosity. That, that was the most important thing you said, Julie. I think that's, that's mm -hmm. how you get there is just mm -hmm. pursuing anything that interests you because you don't know what might really become a passion. We'll get back to our conversation with Fritz in just a minute. Have you been thinking about investing in real estate, but aren't sure you have the time or the desire to manage the investment? Perhaps you're afraid like we were that you'll make the mistake of choosing the wrong market or the wrong team and lose your entire investment. Well, that's exactly why we created the Good Egg Investor Club. We do the work of identifying solid real estate investment opportunities in the best markets around the country and then partner with you to acquire these investments and then we'll all share in the returns. We'll identify the growing markets, strong, experienced teams, and the solid deals. We do all the heavy lifting of managing the tenants and the renovations, and as a passive partner, you get to enjoy all the benefits of investing in real estate, monthly cash flow, long-term appreciation, and the ongoing tax benefits. When we first discovered passive investing through real estate syndications, we realized it fit perfectly into our busy lives. We could put our money to work for our families, work less, and get more time back in our days so that we could focus on what matters most and discover our true passion and purpose in life. We've now helped hundreds of people invest passively in real estate syndications and are seeing the positive impact it's had on their lives. We invite you to partner with us by joining the Good Egg Investor Club today so you can start putting your money to work for you and get more time back in your day because we know that when people have more time in their days, they can do the true work they were intended to do and the world will be a better place. To sign up for the Good Egg Investor Club, go to goodegginvestments.com slash invest and we'll take it from there. That's goodegginvestments.com slash invest. And now back to our chat with Fritz Gilbert. Yeah. And I feel like Annie, she recently started homeschooling her son. And I feel like it's such an amazing way to let her son really explore his interests because Absolutely. he has so much more free time, you know, all the time that he would have been, you know, going from the next class to the next class or, you know, those times in class where you're sitting there waiting for the next student to, you know, be helped by the teacher out of 20 plus other students. And yep. she just has this one-on-one -on -one time with him to let yep. him explore. And 
we have been, you know, trained to shut that curiosity down. And as, you know, as young children and then move through the school system, it's kind of sad, you know, so. It's only is, is, is the child benefiting, but Annie's benefiting, right? She's able to, you know, have more really close time. You're, you're going to look back at these years, Annie, with, you know, tremendous memories because you decided you'd try it, right? A lot of people, hey, I'm kind of interested in homeschooling, but eh, I'm just going to go with the easy path. I'm just going to get them on the bus or whatever, right? But you took that step and you and you tried it. That's exactly what we're talking about. And both of you will reap benefits from that, no doubt. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I want to dig into your blog because you've touched on your blog a few different times as your retirement passion. I'm curious for our listeners out there who might be listening to this and they say, oh yeah, I, I kind of like to write. Maybe I'll start a blog. Now, you started a blog five years ago, and now it's blossomed into this thing, and you, you've written a book, and you have all these followers who reach out to you. Tell us about that journey. You know, I'm sure at the beginning, it was like crickets. You were just writing, and there was nobody on the other side. Exactly. How yep. did you get to a point where that tipping point where people started to come and follow you and reach out to you? What was that journey yeah. like? Yeah, that, that's a that's a great question, and it is exactly that. You know, I was like telling my wife, "Hey, did you read my post today?" You know, it's like you know, she was the only one reading my stuff, right, for a long time. <laughs> I think you have to go into anything like this understanding your motives, and if your motives are, oh, "I'm going to make a bunch of money in a side hustle writing a blog," you'll burn out. Right, probably ninety percent of blogs last less than a year. People give up on them and they move on. I never had, I, I could care less if I made any money from it or not. Obviously, now I'm making some money. My, my audience is pretty big. I'm writing the book, et cetera. But that's not why I do it. I could care less. I would do it for absolutely no money at all. Other than your expenses go up as you get bigger because you got to pay more for MailChimp and things like that. My back, my back end, the fees go up. So I'm like, you know what? I at least ought to offset those and not be paying to do a hobby if I can, if I can avoid it. Anyway, but I think finding the purpose for doing something that means a lot to you, mine wasn't how many people are reading it. Sure. I mean, yeah, you feel good. You know, you want people to read your stuff. But as I did it, I started recognizing, and I, or maybe I started focusing on how much I was enjoying the actual process of writing. So my motive really was, hey, this, this is really kind of fun, you know. And, and the, the mental stimulation that comes from, you know, all throughout your day, your, your ideas just pop up. You know, I always had a list on my phone of potential blog um, topics. You know, I've written 250 posts. I, I still have 100 probably in my queue, but, you know, ideas. So it really fosters that mental simulation of what, what do I want to write about? And then once you come up with that theme, it's okay, what, how do I want this to flow? And then once I know how I want it to flow, how do I, how do I make it interesting for the reader? How do I weave it into a story? How do, I, how do I make it entertaining, right? All those things. So to me, what got me through those dry spells, because it is a dry, you know, nothing much happens in the first year, but it was discovering and exploring and, and learning, you know, how to write better. And, you know, the technical side of, you know, running a website was kind of fun for me too. So um, it was really focusing on the things that motivated me, regardless of whether or not anybody read the blog. And, and that still exists today, but now obviously it's been supplemented by all the additional joy of, you know, the additional benefits I'm getting, the network of fellow bloggers, going to FinCon, meeting people you know, you know, commenting on other people's blogs, active on Twitter, you know, comments. I mean, I, I probably get 50 to 60 comments on every blog post. I answer every one. You know, I love that interaction with the readers, the email, all that stuff came later. Obviously, the money, that's great too. You notice I said it last. I mean, it doesn't really mean that much. All those things came later, but it was because I was focused on, hey, I really enjoy this writing thing. That's kind of what got me through that spell. And I think that's what you need to find, you know, something that excites you like that to really make it successful. Yeah, I think when you have a passion like that, it's such a privilege to have a passion like that. Yeah. I think mm-hmm. a lot of people don't realize that, but when you have a passion, that, that burning desire to do something the worst thing you could possibly do is to tamp that out with the thought of, I can make some money from this, right? I've seen right. it time and again. People are like, ooh, I really have a passion for this. I'm going to go and create something, and then I'm going to make all this money from it. And then one month later, it's like, oh, I'm actually not interested in it anymore. <laughs> but exactly. I love exactly. how your journey went where you just said, you know, I love this topic, 
And I'm just, I don't care who's reading it. I don't care if one person or 10 people or zero people are reading it. I'm just going to write about this because I love the writing process and I love this topic and I'm just going to keep going. And then if you follow that passion, as they say, you know, the, the people, the money, everything else will come. That's right. And, and, you know, if it's something that you're really passionate about, I think the money kind of naturally follows. You know, if, it's, if, if you're chasing things to make money, you're probably not going to make money. If you're chasing things to not make money, you end up making money. It's a weird, yeah. it's a weird, it's a weird <laughs> thing, but that's kind of how it works. So. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so I'm curious. So obviously you've retired early than most people, right? Most people yeah. don't retire for another 10 plus years from the age that you retired. So what are some of the tips that you might have for people who are, you know, maybe in their late 40s, early 50s, and they're like, wow, I would really love to be able to do this in the next five to 10 years. What advice do you have for them and things that they can do to help them get there on the finance part of it? Yeah, there's a lot of people out there that fit exactly that profile too, right? Mm -hmm. Probably a lot of them are your Mm -hmm. listeners because what you find is those people that are financially disciplined tend to self-educate. They listen to podcasts, Mm -hmm. they read blogs, they learn about this stuff. So I'm sure a lot of your listeners are, you know, 40 years old. Well, man, I hope I can get out by the time I'm 50 or 45. I got out at 55. I could have gotten out earlier, but, you know, one of the things I would encourage people is don't, I said it earlier, don't spend your whole life thinking about getting to the starting line, as I call it. We lived life. I mean, we went to Europe almost every year. I had a bunch of frequent flyer miles. You know, we went to Hawaii. We traveled around. You know, we traveled every year. We took all of our vacation time and we lived. We enjoyed it, you know. And, and mm-hmm. while our daughter was home, talking about, you know, homeschooling Annie, you know, we really cherished those years when our daughter was home and we, we lived them to the fullest. You know, we still saved probably 20, 25% of our pay. I could have saved 50 and got out 10 years earlier, but I wouldn't trade anything. Those years that we were walking the journey were great years. So I think that's the first thing I would say to people is don't get so focused on the prize that you forget to enjoy your life today. That's the biggest thing. The second thing I think is recognize it just takes time. You know, the patience of this journey is probably the hardest part because you're tracking your net worth, you're seeing it going up, you kind of know where your number needs to be, and you're you're seeing that gap, and you're like, well, and you're, you know, doing what you can to save more than you can, you're managing your investments, yeah, but, but you just got to wait, you know, and I think what I would encourage people is until you're maybe five years out from realistically doing it, don't worry about it. Live your life. Keep saving, pay yourself first, automate all that stuff so you don't overspend. But beyond that, don't worry about it. Look at your net worth once a year. You don't have to look at it more than that. It doesn't matter. You know, you're looking at a 20 or 30 year journey here, not a, you know, don't do it every month. You don't need to. You're just thinking about it that much more. Stop thinking about it. Enjoy your life. And when you get about five years out, okay, now it's time to start getting serious, right? That's when you can start shifting gears. Prior to that, make your focus I'm going to be patient. I'm just, I know this takes time. I know I'm saving enough. Now I've just got to give it the time to to brew, right? And be patient. If you're within the five years, I could spend half an hour talking about kind of the preparations in the last five years. That's all I've written about for the last five years. I I can talk about that a lot. But I think the the biggest takeaway, I would say, obviously, you got to understand the numbers, do all the retirement planning on the numbers, but make sure you don't overlook that softer stuff that we've talked about earlier. You know, mm-hmm. as you get ready to retire and your numbers start getting flushed out, you start getting a, hey, I think I'm good for two years out. You know, when you start getting your timeline and you're starting to close in on it, make sure you shift and you should spend 80 to 90% of your brain power on the non-financial aspects of retirement in the last year, 18 months before you get there. Talk to us a little bit about the the number side of things because I can't wrap my mind around like I think a lot that's like one of the biggest fears people have is retiring and then running out of money right before the the end of their life. And so how do you model out what the rest of your life could look like? I think earlier you mentioned, you know, first you start out with potentially lots of activity and travel and then that comes that comes down over time. But then the healthcare costs go up. So how do you come up with like, this is my target number. And once I reach this target number, then I can retire. Does it work like that? (laughs) Basically, yeah. I mean, it it does. And it sounds simplistic, but there's a lot behind it, right? And the difficult part about it is you can never really know 
right? Because you never really know what your future returns are going to be. You never really know what inflation is going to be. You never really know what your spending is going to be because you've never been retired. You never really know what your health care is going to cost because you don't know if you're going to be healthy or not. And, and none of those will ever be answered. So you can drive yourself crazy doing this, right? So the way we did it is probably the easiest way to explain. This is the same rec- recommendations I give to readers and other, you know, listeners. It sounds tedious, but we tracked every penny we spent for a year. We, we typically don't budget. We, you know, we, we, we know we're saving 20, 25%. We're free to live on the rest. So we don't budget. If it's in the checking account, we can spend it. We're fine. Okay. And we have some emergency savings and all that. Fine. But you can't plan for retirement without really understanding your spending. So we tracked every penny for a year, actually 11 months. I gave up. It's Oh, brain numbing work. I hated it. But every receipt, you know, everything went in my pocket. Everything went on a spreadsheet. That was the that was the baseline. Okay, here's what we're spending during our working life. We know what that is. Now, what's going to change when we retire? Well, we're going to sell the big house. We're going to buy the cabin. Great. We'll pay that off. We'll be debt free. There goes the mortgage. Great. Okay. So you make the adjustments for that. You're going to have to go out and buy private health care. Okay. Let's research what private health care is going to cost. Every assumption we made was on the high side. So we use $2,500 a month for private health. You know, if you look at Obamacare, ACA, if you don't get the subsidy, yeah, $2,500 a month, kind of out there is a reasonable number. So we used it. We're probably spending closer to $2,000. Fine. I'd rather overestimate everything. So we just, we went through that exercise. And, and okay, now you talked about, uh, Julie, the activities, right? How do you model that? Well, we, we added a category for travel. And we, we have an RV, which we bought just before I retired. So we, we built in the, the cushion. Okay, we're going to spend, say, fifty grand for an RV. Okay, so we'll subtract 50000 from our net worth. We're going to have to buy that RV. What's that leave us? Okay, now we're going to camp. Okay, 100 nights at $35 a night. That's $3,500. We're going to need some gas. We're going to, you know, whatever. You, you, you just model it. It's tedious, tedious work. But if you go through that, especially if you do it in conjunction with thinking about those softer aspects of retirement. What do you want to do with your time? Okay, we want to travel. Great. Let's build in a budget to travel. And that's basically what we did. And then, you know, as you get into the further out years, obviously it's more of a guess. How long are we going to travel? I don't know. Let's plug in 75. Okay, at age 75, we whittle down the travel. You know, you have to just use some common sense to try to chart those waves, you know, of the ups and downs. That's basically how we did it. And then you basically look at your net worth. And what we did is we subtracted all of the non-liquid net worth that we weren't going to spend in retirement, the home value, right? Your home value is part of your net worth. We didn't count that in our, what, what I called retirement liquidity. So how much retirement liquidity did we have? We now know what our spending is going to be and how much, you know, using typically, if you want to use a 4% rule, it's 25 times your annual spending. So if you're going to spend hundred grand, you need two and a half million. If you want to use a more conservative number, which we did, use a 3% withdrawal rate. So it says you got to use 33 times your spending. If your spending is 100,000, you need 3.3 million bucks, right? It's a big number. But that's basically how you do it. You either do a 25X or a 33X or somewhere in between. You get a really good view of your spending. And, and that's kind of how you come up with that number. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love all of that. I've definitely done that myself more recently as we're planning on transitioning my husband out of his W-2 also. And Good it is you. very, yeah, <laughs> it is very tedious work sitting there trying to document credit card bills and going through bank statements and trying to really nail down like what exactly are these expenses and then, you know, having those unknowns and, and not really knowing, you know, what those, some of those expenses could look like. Um, let, let me, let me say one thing, Julie, I'm writing the sure. post. Actually, when I, when I said today, I spent about an hour and a half writing. I was actually writing on this exact topic. It was about the most common retirement mistakes. And this big survey out of the University of Michigan, I'll, I'll have it probably by the time this airs, it'll, it'll probably be on my blog. One of the most common retirement mistakes that mm-hmm. people make is they don't have enough money. Mm-hmm. And the reason they don't have enough money is they didn't take the time to understand what their spending was going to be and what their realistic income was going to be either from their investments, from Social Security, whatever, they, they tended to not – the majority of people aren't really financially literate, right? I mean, a lot of people don't know what they're doing. Your listeners are in a different class. So take advantage of that. Use that financial literacy to hear what we're talking about here. And you got to do it because, you know, I think uh, 21% of retirees 
pointed to this as their biggest regret was that they retired before they had enough money. And now they're living with it for the rest of their life, right? right. I mean, it's once you leave, it's really tough to go back and make that kind of that kind of money. It's you can do some side hustle stuff and consulting and it, but you'll mm-hmm. never you'll never replace the big paycheck that you had when you left. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yep, that's right. Pay very close attention to the amount of money that's going out and you know underestimate the amount of money that's coming in exactly. um, because otherwise you can find yourself in a situation <laughs> yeah. that especially if you're older age, you know at the older end of the spectrum of retire retirement age you know that can have disastrous impacts as well so yep. um yeah i love all of that and yeah it's funny the r that you brought up the rv because we've been looking at an app called outdoorsy i don't know if you're oh yeah sure with yeah. Yeah. yeah you rent you, um, you can rent rvs yeah yeah, I, I, have a, like, I have an affiliate link for them. So if you book it, oh, okay. <laughs> well, then there you go. Yeah, um, and it was it was wild because we're looking at the prices, and it's like some of them for the newer ones, it's like three hundred bucks a night. Yeah. And I was like, wait, hold on, hold on. This is almost like real estate here. This is like real estate on wheels. And then my Airbnb. mind started, yeah, and my mind started going, and I'm like, how much do these things cost? And you know, I I figured out that you could actually buy one of those things, like a hundred grand or whatever it is is rent it out for a couple of years at 300 bucks a night, 75% of the year, you know, before you're actually sure. ready to retire and have the yeah. whole thing paid yeah. off. So yeah. you don't even you're have right. to budget that into your you're, line you're, item. You're, like you're, you're, thinking, you're thinking the right way. That's exactly <laughs> yeah. the right way to think about stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Oh, goodness. That's so funny. All right. Well, we could kind of go on and on about all of this, but let's move into the investing for good impact round. So we're going to ask you a couple of questions around investing for good. Okay. All so right. The the first question is investing in yourself. So what is one way that your investments are helping you to live a better life? Okay. And, and I did not prepare for these. I'm like, I'm just going to, I'm just going to say what comes to mind. I always That's do it this way. way it. And uh, yeah, if I fall on my face then uh, shame on me, I should have prepared. Right. <laughs> but I, I, I think, um, let me answer that with two parts. One, mm-hmm. I think the best investment you can make in yourself is, is becoming financially literate and really understanding this stuff, okay? So investing in yourself through education, self-education, which everybody that listens to the show is doing, kudos to you. Mm -hmm. The second thing is I think once you've got those investments in place and you're able to have that freedom from work, it gives you that freedom to, you know, use those investments because it frees up your time. So now you're available to do things for good that you weren't able to do when you were tied up at work all the time. So it's, it's using those investments to give yourself the time and freedom to do things for others for good. Mm-hmm. Gosh, I love that. That's so much of, of what we do. I mean, investing yeah. for good and it's just everything that we always talk about and everything that's so meaningful for us. All right. Second question is investing in others. So what is one investment strategy or hack, life hack could be kind of anything that you want to share with the audience that'll help them kind of catapult their investing journey or help them get to where they're trying to go uh, faster. Now, when you say investing for others, is that for, are you thinking like charitable? Or are you thinking tips that other people would want that tips that, would help that other yeah okay. tips that other people would want to hear okay yeah. the the biggest tip i can give people and this isn't rocket science right my dad told me 40 years ago probably <laughs> hey fritz it's not hard to get wealthy you just mm-hmm. spend less than you make and you do it for a long time right but so obviously get your spending under control get rid of the high mm-hmm. especially the high interest rate debt you know debt is a killer kill the debt whatever you've got to do kill the debt mm-hmm. and then the second thing i would say is you know, automate your savings, sign up for your 401k, whatever you've got with your employer, get the match, but don't stop there. You know, what I did through my entire career is if I got a 3% raise, 2% of it would go into my 401k every single year, right? I'd take, you know, two thirds, three quarters of my raise. I'd automatically just increase my savings rate. And you still feel like you're getting a little bit more money because, hey, you got 1% more in your paycheck, but it avoids that lifestyle inflation that so many people get caught up in. If you get a new job, you get a big promotion. Let's say you make $20,000 more a year. Put $19,000 a year more into your savings. Don't change your, don't change your standard of living as you move up in your, in your work. You will move up in your workplace, right? You'll get raises. I mean, you will make more money. Take advantage of those to accelerate your savings rather than increase your lifestyle. 
Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I still remember, you know, that was one thing that my mom did teach me about money. Not, not that she didn't teach me a lot, but it was always, everything was always around save, save, save. And I, I remember her saying that, that, you know, I, I forget one time when I was like in my early 20s and I told her I got a raise at my job and she had said, well, pretend like you didn't get that raise, honey, and put yep. that in the, in the bank account. And that's what I did. And that's kind yep. of that we've done ever since there you go it, it works it again you got to be patient it takes a long time but that's the you know you look at these people like i said i we saved 20 25 percent we're probably saving close to 50 percent in my last couple mm-hmm. of years of work but i can barely pay my bills how can i ever get to a 20 percent savings rate well yeah. you know what if you do two percent a year over five years you just added 10 percent to your savings rate without doing anything right so give it time and do that hack and you'll get there so your mom was a smart lady julie yeah. <laughs> I'll let her know you said that. All right. Last question is investing in the world. So what is one thing that you're doing or your investments are doing to help make the world a better place? I think in this one, I would tilt this towards the charitable side. I think when you get to the point that your investments have gotten to the point where you're no longer having to work, mm-hmm. find a way to give back to the world. You know, I just read the article it was floating around. I mean, massive retweets and, and it was on Twitter, it was on Forbes. This guy had like, I don't know, $80 billion, and he vowed to give it all away before he died. He saved $2 million for, for he and his wife, and he gave the rest away. And it, it's an incredible story. You know, everybody hears about, you know, um, Gates and, and all those guys that are this giving pledge where they want to give away half their money. They did it based on this guy. This was the first guy. I wish I could remember his name. But the point of that is once you've gotten to the point where you're financially secure, don't be greedy, right? Yeah. Give it away. Be charitable, not only with your money, but also with your time. And I think what you'll find is, you know, they always say that the giver gets more rewards than the, than the recipient. That's absolutely true. You know, my wife's charity that I mentioned, finding ways to give back to others, either in your money or, you know, even more importantly in your time, but, but both is so rewarding. And don't leave that out of your retirement planning, you know, build some room in there where you can be philanthropic, <laughs> philanthropic, mm-hmm. you know, that you can be generous with your money and with your time, you will reap mm-hmm. rewards. And that's how I think money can lead you to having a good impact on the world. Mm-hmm. It's all about that impact and that purpose. And I love that you mentioned giving back, not just with your money, but with your time. I think that's such a valuable tip for people. So Fritz, I'm sure that our, our listeners are going to want to learn more about you and all that you're doing. So what's the best place that they can go to learn more? Yeah, you can just Google me, Fritz Gilbert. I pop up right away, or you can look at the Retirement Manifesto, and it does have the T-H-E in there. When I was learning how to do that blog thing, I just stuck it in there, and I was like, why do I have the Retirement Manifesto? So the V is in there, but just type in theretirementmanifesto.com, and you'll find my smiling mug all over the place. Fritz Gilbert, creator of the Retirement Manifesto and author of the book, Keys to a Successful Retirement. Fritz, thank you so much for sharing your experience and your wisdom with us today. Thank you, Annie. Thank you, Julie. It's been a real pleasure. I've enjoyed talking with you. You've been listening to Investing for Good, the number one podcast for people like you who are investing to build a legacy for their families, create a meaningful and intentional life by design, and impact the world around them. For more resources, check out goodegginvestments.com slash podcast, and be sure to join the Investing for Good Facebook community. And don't forget to subscribe and give us a five-star review so we can continue to bring you amazing new conversations every week. Until next time, keep investing for good.